All right. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Welcome to My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us here today on this special day. And of course, every Saturday is special because we have some amazing guests. And those of you that are watching us for the first time, thank you for being here. I am your host, Fonz or Alfonso Mendoza, whatever you like to call me. But you can find us down here at My EdTech Life. Uh, on our Twitter feed. So go ahead and follow us on Twitter. And today we have a great show. We have one of the co-authors of the eSports Playbook. If you remember a couple of weeks back, we had Mr. Jesse Lubinsky here, and he is also one of the authors of this great book. And, uh, you know, eSports is such a great, uh, something that is growing and just something that is emerging in not only college settings, but also in middle school, elementaries, and high schools. So today we have Mr. Chris Avilas here, and we're really excited because he's going to share his expertise, his experience in the world of esports. So Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are Hi, you doing today? Me. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing wonderful. Thank you for joining us all the way from New Jersey. I, I, I tell everybody, so there's something in the water in the East Coast, because a lot of the guests that I've had have been from the East Coast, and there's definitely something like uh, techie in the water over there, because just a, a lot of great educators, a lot of great influences, and just a lot of great people that I follow are from over there, and uh, so it's amazing. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, <laughs> All right, Chris. So let's talk a little bit about esports, and uh, I know... Uh, you know, I, I want to draw on just on the experience, just in case people don't know or maybe have not heard or are just new to esports and are maybe just kind of, uh, you know, getting their feet wet in esports. Tell us a little bit about what esports actually is. Yeah. So, very simply, esports is competitive video game playing. Um, and it's been around probably a lot longer than people realize, you know, uh, setting up tournaments back in the Galaga, Atari, you know, even uh, early Quake days when it's, you know, gaming came to the computers. Um, and it's something that I think has a lot of value um, in the world of education. And so for me, uh, it's taking not just the competitive video game aspect of esports that we can use to teach traditional values that we usually find in, um, you know, uh, more traditional sports, I guess, uh, but also the whole ecosystem that goes around eSports, I think is the really interesting part on top of the social emotional learning that we could do with students. Oh, that's wonderful. So again, that's something that is really neat, very interesting. I know Jesse touched a little bit about that, but like I said, I, I think that people really need to hear this a little bit more just because, uh, like I said, eSports is something that is really thriving and and day it, not a day goes by where I can check in the news and just following eSports of just the great opportunities that a lot of students are having, you know, through high school, you know, and even in college, you know, getting scholarships and such. But we'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, I'd like for you to share just a little bit about your experience. I know I, I got to see a little preview of the book and um, just reading a little bit about your story. Can you give us a little bit of a background as far as your experience in esports? Yeah, so um, I think my journey uh, through esports is is pretty unique, and I think that gives me some perspective um, from a couple of you know maybe different areas uh, about why esports is so valuable. But um, you know, my esports kind of story starts with my father. My father was in the military, uh, working in the communications you know uh, vocation, and when he left, he got a job with AT and T. He drove trucks for a while. Uh, and then one day AT&T asked him if he'd like to go back to college to learn how to take apart and put together computers. So he jumped at the opportunity. He started going to night school. 
I rarely ever saw him. Uh, and when we did, you know, being two, three, four years old, um, how we bonded was basically doing his homework. So I started putting computers together and taking them apart, you know, by the time I was maybe four or five. Um, and then from there, you know, I started to play video games before Windows when it was on DOS and, uh, you know, was always big into gaming back then because that was a real, you know, important way for me to spend time with my dad. So you fast forward a little bit, still enjoying computer games. Uh, and in 1998, StarCraft came out. Um, got the game, friends got the game. We realized that we could play with each other, you know, or should say play against each other uh, over land. And we had never seen anything like that. And so my friends and I, after sports practice, um, you know, we were lugging desktop computers to each other's houses and setting up land, you know, uh, centers in my friend's basement and having these tournaments. And uh, it kind of grew from there where like the local computer store and like the radio shack were putting on these land competitions. And, um, you know, so starting in 98, I started to play in these tournaments. And I didn't know it as esports at that time. I just thought it was something... Um, you know, that you just did with friends, you played amongst each other, but then you start to see all these people were practicing and coming together. Um, and so I kind of, I've been part of that scene, I guess, for a long time, never really seeing it as like esports. Nobody ever said esports, we're just going to get together and play. Yeah. Uh, so play Starcraft and, and Warcraft and all that stuff, uh, but was also into traditional sports. You know, I've wrestled, this is my 20, 26th year in the world of, uh, you know, wrestling, um, coached football and track. Uh, as well as played it in high school, played rugby in college. Um, so I also have that side of traditional sports, you know, where I've been in for a long time. So you continue to fast forward, you get into college, you get to 2011. Um, and my friend said there was a StarCraft II tournament going on down in Atlantic City. And so we jumped at the opportunity to go down there. And in 2011, you know, I'd been teaching for about five or six years. And when I got to the whole setup they had in Atlantic City, when I walked into like the arena, it was like WWF meets video game playing. Like all these people had entrance music and cheers and chants and everybody knew their name and there were smoke machines and casters and jumbotrons. And so there's a whole like pageantry side to it that like I was way into, I like that stuff. Um, and I remember watching, you know, the, the competitors play the game. It was super interesting. I still love watching Starcraft too, even though I'm playing anymore. Um, but what really blew me away was sitting there thinking, I have kids who I teach, who would love to do this. And it was, you know, uh, um, I was teaching lower track English at the time to high school kids. Um, I was, you know, I had a, a lot of uh, special ed students in my class and whether it was from a learning disability, a physical disability, um, I had a lot of kids who were on the spectrum. I just felt like they would love something like this. Um, and so I tried for a long time here in New Jersey to get esports started. Uh, and it wasn't until I switched districts to where I'm at now, right, Nolan Middle School here in New Jersey, um, in 2018, they approved my esports team, uh, which was actually at the middle school level. And it turned out we were the first middle school esports team in the country. Um, and, you know, the way Steve Isaacs comes into this, who is my uh, one of the co-authors of the book, um, we didn't have anybody to play as, you know, one of the middle first middle schools in the country. Um, so I knew Steve had a video game club. And so I called Steve up and I asked him, you know, could we play you? And he put a team together. We had a match. Um, we made a big deal out of it. People saw it on social media. They said, can our middle schools get involved? Uh, so then you fast forward to the next year. Steve and I are running this league off a of Google spreadsheet for any middle school in the country who wants to play with us. Um, and so we had something like 40 middle schools. And so that continued to grow. We had a great season. And then finally, uh, this past year, uh, Steve and I started our nonprofit called Garden State Esports. 
And the mission of our nonprofit is to help every school in New Jersey bring an esports team to their school. Uh, and so that's kind of been the path from player to coach, you know, both in traditional sports and esports, to starting the first middle school team, um, to starting the first middle school league, to now starting a, uh, you know, statewide governing body nonprofit here in New Jersey. Um, and that's kind of been the journey, you know, through esports. It's something that I've been in, you know, uh, uh, since I was in eighth grade. And so I'm, I'm excited that it's getting um, the recognition that it deserves because it really is a valuable tool uh, for kids to, to learn through, to find a home, you know, uh, in your class, in your school, on your team. Uh, esports can be a lot of things to a lot of different people. Man, that is an amazing journey, Chris. Like, I, and going back to what you're saying, you know, when myself growing up, you know, growing up with Nintendo and, you know, playing continually, I remember at least from what your description was to as far as going into an arena, it kind of reminded me of the scene from one of the movies that I used to watch all the time called The Wizard with Fred Savage. Yeah. And that movie, like, still mm -hmm. to this day, and, you, when I first saw the power glove in that movie, man, I was like, I got to get that power glove. And yeah, sure enough, I ended up getting a power glove and everything mm -hmm. and getting into all of that. But I mean, seeing just like you said, the big screens, just people that are watching and, uh, you know, seeing like you like you're describing is just so intense, you know, people yeah. getting into this. And so that must have been just a, a really great experience for you. Like you said, like real WWE kind of production with right. music and all of that. No, it is wonderful. I mean, and it, it just really something clicked. And, and I just, you know, I even thought of like a few particular kids I was teaching at the time. And and these are those kids that kind of had that attitude or that swagger um, and would often brag about being good at certain video games mm -hmm. because that was their thing. They weren't into traditional sports or couldn't play traditional sports for whatever reason. Um, and so kind of like their badge of honor or their thing was being really good at, you know, whatever this video game was. And having known that and having seen this as like, you know, why can't we bring this to school? Why can't we have competitive, you know, matches against different schools, you know, just like we do with traditional sports. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that's been, um, uh, I'm excited to see continue to grow. That's great. And kind of going seg on a se nice segue, like you kind of set this up. It's a, you know, you, like you said, you have students that want to actively, you know, I don't think there isn't anyone out there that doesn't like to at least be part of a team. But like you said, there are maybe students that, you know, aren't into sports. They're not right. into band. They're not into other things. But like you said, they're, you know, great at playing video games. And so kind of segueing into this and why esports in school? What are, what, and I know, you know, you kind of described a little bit about that, but right. can you tell us just at least from your experience, aside yeah. from competitive gaming and, and, you know, being part of the team, why else, why esports in schools? Um, so I've been lucky enough to work with about 100 school districts over the last three years. Um, and what we keep seeing is that esports is going to draw out an underserved kid in your school. Um, and that could be, again, a kid who maybe uh, isn't into traditional sports and doesn't have, you know, I always say it's a homeschool connection. Uh, we know that kids who are engaged in extracurriculars and you know have a place to call home in school obviously leads to better learning outcomes. But the kids that we're seeing come out for esports teams may not find themselves wanting to be involved in theater, wanting to be involved in clubs, wanting to be involved in sports, right? Because maybe gaming is their thing. So number one, you're going to create a home in your school uh, very likely for many kids who don't have it. And one of the biggest things that I make sure um, that I help 
the schools that I work with build is a diverse, inclusive space for gamers uh, to build relationships, right? Because, uh, you know, this esports team can be a real affinity space for like-minded kids. And so some of the biggest outcomes I've seen and probably the most important to me is number one, people coming together, feeling accepted. And number two, finding new friend groups. And so, you know, when I interview my kids at the end of the year, one of the things that surprised me the most, I said, you know, what was your favorite part of the esports team? And they told me going out to pizza together after our matches was the best part of esports. I didn't even know they were doing that. You know what I mean? And so this idea that, you know, I don't think they really knew each other coming in. Um, and now they are not just gaming together in school with me. They're also gaming outside of school with each other. Um, because I think there's a stereotype that gaming is this thing that happens alone in your basement and it couldn't be further mm -hmm. from the truth. On top of that, right, and, you know, we can really dive into this, but I'll kind of give you like the over version of a lot of this stuff. Um, kind of piggybacking off of that, you know, that home school connection and making kids feel like they're part of something. Um, the SEL work you can do through esports is phenomenal. Number one, again, as somebody who has, you know, more than a decade of uh, uh, traditional varsity coaching experience, the values that you get on the field, right? I learned just as much about life in this classroom as I did on a wrestling mat. You know what I mean? Teamwork, leadership, sacrifice, communication can all be taught through esports. And so I think that's one thing maybe people don't believe. Right. Any form of competition is going to allow you to, um, you know, instill those values and teach those skills to kids. But then you can even dive deeper. Right. One of the things that my board of education was concerned about when it came to starting an esports team uh, was do we really want kids more giving them more screen time and more inside, uh, you know, playing video games. And one of the things that I'm not sure people realize is you can do some excellent health and wellness education through video games. And so I talk to my kids about time and place. I talk to my kids. Uh, we call it the performance triad, right? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating the right food, right? And are you exercising? Because those three things, right, factor into how well you're going to play the game. And what's funny is these kids will go to health class and they'll basically hear the same thing in health class, but it doesn't click. But when my kids don't play well, in their match or they have a bad practice, that's the first thing I asked them. I said, I mean, have you been hitting your performance triad? Like, how have you been doing? And then we talk about sleep exercise and what they've been eating. Oh, you mean to tell me you went to bed at two o'clock last night, you didn't have breakfast, and then you had a monster energy drink and a bag of chips for lunch, and you wondered why you didn't feel good and you played slow? So now all of a sudden, when you tie that to talking about how you can be a better gamer, now all of a sudden, some of those kids are like, oh, taken a little bit more seriously. Just like my athletes, right? My wrestlers, especially, they take diet, sleep and exercise really seriously because it has a, you know, a big time effect on your performance. Um, and then, you know, I, I see, uh, you know, my best friend, Steve Isaacs has jumped in for a little bit. And, and one thing where he's doing some revolutionary work uh, with Garnet State Esports is this idea that we are bringing gamers together we're bringing them, you know, quote unquote, out of the basement and into the classroom where teachers can be role models, right? A lot of what I hear from parents is my kid is cursing at people, playing video games, throwing his controller, he's getting upset or, you know, vice versa. I, I posted on Twitter um, a couple of weeks ago, I played 90 minutes of Overwatch and I was racially insulted three times, right? My in-game name is El Matador. And so I had people just saying some, you know, insultingly racial stuff to me. So this idea that we can bring kids in and we can educate them and teach them right about how to act online, you know, a, a digital citizenship version for gaming.
how we can help them work through their rage. We can, you know, teach them mindfulness to get out of that moment where they're really angry, right? Like on my team, we use like green light, yellow light, red light. Like when my kids get mad, green light, I'm good. I can shake it off. I can play yellow light. Like I need a second, like red light, like I need to be done for the day because I'm going to lose my mind. You know, and so having kids being able to self-assess and all those other casal standards um, are, are so important to work into esports. And I think that's an area that not a lot of people realize you could dive into. Not just including now, you could do CTE stuff and you could do things like um, I have a book club curriculum where, where kids are reading um, Ready Player One and Substitute's Art of War. Um, so you can tie a lot of the stuff we want kids to learn through something that they love, you know, um, through esports. That is amazing, Chris. Like, I really love the way that you just tied those, all of those elements together using your experience that you had as a coach and bringing that now into esports as, as a coach as well. And, you know, just everything that you hit on, you know, the, your performance triad, you know, the groups, the SEL, that is just something that is so wonderful to see that I hope changes the perception of, like you said, you know, many of the perceptions that you described where parents are just saying, well, my kid's just cussing up a storm. They're doing this, they're doing that and so on and so forth. But you're taking it, you know, to another level and educating the students and providing sort of this digital sportsmanship, right. uh, digital citizenship aspect for them to understand and be better players, be better digital citizens. And that can definitely make a huge change you right. know, in the, in this field and with the kids. And that is just something that is amazing. So right. th think about it this way, right? I don't, I don't know if you have a traditional sports background, right? Did you ever play any sports? Yes. Yes, I did. So I'm sure that when you first started playing sports, especially if you were little, when you lost, you were probably super mad, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so the coach was there though, to help you get over it. And, and you know, I know for me, uh, in football or wrestling, if you ever threw your helmet or you threw your headgear, you had to run, right? You got in trouble. You're not, you know, that's not how you act. But when these kids are playing video games, there's nobody there to work with them to help them get through the anger on top of when you're playing soccer and football and stuff like that, you know, or wrestling, you're so out of breath. There's really nobody really getting into your ear like they can in video games. Mm -hmm. You know, traditionally, video gamers have a headset where people can literally talk trash to them the whole time in their ear. And so what have we done to help educate kids and help them gain the coping, you know, the, the, the coping methods to deal with stuff like that? You know, going back to that, that tweet I was talking about, the other part of that tweet was, you know, I said, I'm a grown man and I can handle it. Like these people don't phase me. They don't shake me. They don't hurt my feelings. I said, but what about the kid, especially a lot of your gamer kids are maybe a little bit more vulnerable um, for, for various different reasons than some of these uh, other kids. What have we done, parent or otherwise, to build them up and educate them? Um, to handle those really tough situations that they get themselves into sometimes online or it happened to them and they had there, there was no reason you know for people to come at them like that so I think that's a big area um, that we can use esports is to educate kids about I guess you know digital citizenship for a lack of a cooler term um, you know esports gaming citizenship or something like that but you know, uh, I don't know what your Facebook page looks like, but my Facebook is full of grown adults who can't get along online. But yeah. then, we're mad at, then we're mad at kids who can't do it, you know? But nowhere are we educating them um, about how to handle those situations. So, I mean, the SEL piece, especially navigating digital culture, right, which is what Steve always talks about, is so, so, so important. You know, we, we've already crossed, um, we've already handled the part where we say, hey, don't give out your address. Hey, don't give out your phone number. Hey, don't post your picture. Um, but we haven't handled, you know, what happens if you are 
approached or, or being groomed by somebody in the alt-right, which happens a lot more than you think when you are, you know, engaged with somebody who, uh, you know, is calling you names and stuff like that. Like, how do you respond? How do you handle that kind of stuff? And so for me, as somebody who plays games and I see that happen often, I feel bad for kids uh, who don't have a mentor or somebody in their life who understands digital culture um, and, and can help build them up. And so esports and and the coaches can be that person for a lot of these kids. Yeah, and I, I like everything that you're saying because oftentimes, and and this what I have heard is always the term. It's like, oh no, kids are okay. They're all like digital natives. They're all digital natives. They're all digital natives. And you overlook these things that you're just mentioning right now and highlighting these things that you know as adults maybe you're not paying attention to at all because we're focused on you know either parents are working. The teachers are teaching and you, these students that you said that are finding their joy in their games because this is something they're good at and getting these, you know, th an earful of things and how do they, you know, cope with that. So right. I think that's something that's great that you're touching on because that's something that's very important. So uh, going back to a little bit more about the book and, and your experiences, you know, how do you, how does one go about, you know, what was your experience when you first started your middle school team? Just to kind of give us a, a broad overview as far as if somebody is interested and after seeing the show, they're like, you know what, I'm really pumped. I can see that this is something that can be done. You know, what are some of the things that they should look for or try and see that they might, you know, maybe a roadblock here, there are some obstacles and how they can overcome some of these things. What is some of the advice that you can uh, have for some of our audience members? Yeah, so um, the book uh, Steve Isaacs, Jesse Levinsky, and Christine Lyons-Bailey and I wrote uh, is called the Esports Playbook. And we called it that because it's half how to and half why to, right? And, and we touched on the why to, the SEL, the, the career technical education part, you know, and teaching things uh, teaching kids things through things, teaching kids things through stuff they already love, right? But the other side of this is, is really the how-to, um, and I'm always a big fan of what Jim O'Hagan talks about, and really asking or turning it back to that person and saying, "Well, what are the goals of your district? What do you want your district to achieve? What do you want your district to be like?" And there's a very good chance esports has a great um, opportunity to help you build your school's goals. Um, and, and there are a lot of uh, roadblocks when it comes to esports. There are, you know, people who see violent video games make violent kids, and you can show them every study out there that disproves that, but it's an emotional argument and you're not going to convince them. Um, there's equity issues, obviously, when it comes to technology and stuff like that. But, you know, luckily, being creative and some of the options out there, that, that gap is narrowing, but there's still a lot of work to do. Um, so there are a lot of hurdles to overcome. So that's why I always start, um, you know, with what do you want your district to do? And so it's this idea that um, if you want to use esports to create a safe place for students, because that's what's important to your school. If you want to use esports to build out the competitive side of your school, um, because maybe you don't offer that much. So there's just a different, there's a lot of different options. Um, but I was lucky that I could, again, fall back to, I guess, more of my traditional coaching background and getting a team up and running uh, is, is basically the same as any other sport, believe it or not. Um, it really starts with getting permission. Once you have permission from admins and um, the board of ed, you want to have an interest meeting so kids know, you know, what you're going to play. Um, for me, my practices are mandatory. So I want my kids to know it's a commitment. You're committing to yourself. You're committing to 
to your team. Um, and then after the interest meeting, right, the kids who are interested, you may need to have tryouts if that's what you want to do, or you may not, you know, have to have tryouts. And then from there, it's just about building up your schedule and finding people to play or getting involved with organizations like Garden State Esports. You know, Fonz, I'm sure you know, in Texas, you guys have TechSef. Uh, TechSef is um, the NASIF state affiliate for Texas, um, you know, run by Bradford over there and a lot of other great educators. So there's also very likely a Garden State Esports or TechSef um, in your state that is an educator run um, kind of, uh, you know, grassroots organization that you can reach out to. And so, for instance, if you, if you can't find one, if you head to uh, Garden State Esports, which is um, gsesports.org, I have all the getting started resources. I have a slide deck made to help you convince your, your administrators. I have a Google form for an interest meeting. I have a slideshow for an interest meeting. I have a, um, I have a template for how I run my practices. And so, you know, whether it's with Garnet State Esports, whether it's with your local, you know, kind of teacher-run esports organization, um, you know, one place I would tell educators to go if they're looking to get involved, but they just don't have that, you know, um, learning network, check out hashtag esportsedu on Twitter, um, and you will find all of us. And one thing, you know, about the esports edu community is that they're so wonderful and welcoming. Um, you know, we'll have you up and running in no time if this is something you want to do uh, with your school. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing all these great resources uh, with us because I know uh, at least at one of our high schools, we do have an eSports team that did start and uh, a couple of others here in our district, but it's relatively small, but this is something that at least our regional service center, we have a great contact there that is trying to push for this. But I think that uh, it's just that perception changing that perception of when you start seeing uh, teachers asking like, you know, for on donors choose like, Hey, we want to make, we want this TV. We want this computer. We want this. And all of a sudden it's like, well, what are they doing? They're just, are they're just playing video games and they don't see beyond, you know, just like, Oh, all they're going to do is just a video game club. Like, like what, what's the point? Like what, you know, but here I love the fact that you have information that is already made that people can just go ahead and check out, tweak and share and give people the right perception and talking to the stakeholders and saying, yeah. okay, this is what we want to do. And be, it's not just a video game club, you know. Right. It, 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 you of what you're saying, Fonz, is, is realize this, one of the ways, um, so Garden State Esports, we've brought in about 10% of our state already. So we're really proud of the work we've been doing. We got about 51 school districts signed up. You know, everything we do is free. But one of those hurdles has been convincing and working with districts around that technology piece. And there are, number one, ways around it, right? If your IT team, which, you know, that's a piece, uh, a team that gets left out a lot when you're thinking about making an esports team, they are going to be your biggest help. And, and, you know, if you make sure you give them enough time and you work with them, uh, you can do things like bring your own device, right? Um, I know at least two dozen schools that are running their esports program over Xboxes that students bring in or the teacher brings in and they play Rocket League, you know, off of all that. Um, but additionally, Fonz, going back to, you know, getting this equipment and saying it's for the video game club, I would advise everybody to avoid that. What I would say is, what if we invested in a state-of-the-art STEM, you know, center equipment for our school and then it just so happens after school, they become the esports laptops as well, right? Because one of the things, even going back to the, the career and technical edu education side of esports, esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. 
if we're serious about STEM jobs, you need to be serious about esports. Um, you know, uh, uh, the quote that I commonly hear uh, from the, the video game company Blizzard for every one professional in their Overwatch League, there's 24 people behind the scenes that make that person's job possible, right? One of the ways that I convinced my district um, to let me pilot the esports program is I jumped like on monster.com. Uh, and, you know, obviously being in New Jersey, we're close to Philly, we're close to New York. I typed in esports jobs and I think it popped up with 30 or 40 esports uh, e jobs, all of them paid over $80,000. And some of them were very traditional, right? Like um, uh, accountant, right? Or, you know, finance, marketer, all for an esports company. Uh, and if you look again, you know, in Jersey, we're lucky. Um, the uh, New York Excelsior, which is the Overwatch team of New York, are owned by the same people that own the Mets. So wow. this is the scale and the seriousness that we're talking about is esports as an industry. You know, um, many people may have noticed that over COVID, you know, this lockdown with COVID, almost every major sporting league who couldn't play live broadcasted some type of esports event. The NHL had a big esports event. NBA 2K had a big esports event, right? Because that's, you know, all of the uh, NBA basketball teams have their own kind of esports scene too. So it's understanding that investing in an esports team is also investing in STEM education for your school. Those laptops, you know, during the day, my laptops, we do video game design. Uh, we do um, video editing, graphic design. We do 3D rendering. We do all that good stuff, CAD. Um, and it's after school when they become, right, those laptops. And especially now, maybe the time is right because we've had some, um, some success with schools taking, you know, some or all of their athletic budget for, you know, uh, the seasons that were canceled. And if they could swing it or even maybe just the travel budget, mm -hmm. right, invest in six laptops to get started, invest in 10 laptops to get started, and then grow your program and your STEM offerings right within your own school. Um, and, and there's a lot of options out there. You know, obviously, we need to find better ways to close the equity gap, but it is possible, um, you know, to play and bring your own device. There's possible, you know, uh, there's even cloud-based gaming is getting really popular. One thing we realized, we've been doing some experimenting in Garnet State Esports, and, um, GeForce has a program called GeForce Now that they just updated, and you can play a free game like uh, free game like Rocket League from the cloud on your Chromebook. And so now we're talking about a GeForce Now account is five dollars per student. So now you're talking about that you can get everybody involved in your school for five dollars a kid, right? And and we've had a lot. You know, we've been getting great feedback, and um, we've been piloting it here with two school districts in Garmin State Esports. Rocket League on your Chromebook through cloud-based gaming. <laughs> that is awesome. And I really like what you said. I mean, Chris, just the way you have to get creative. And, and But like you said, everything goes hand in hand. And I love the fact that you said it's like, hey, you know, during the day, the, these are our work. They, we're doing our STEM. We're doing video game design. We're doing all these things. And then in the afternoon, all right, it's showtime. Let's go ahead and get practicing, you know, for our mm -hmm. esports team. Now, one thing that I, I do want to to touch a little bit more on, and I know Jesse touched a, a little bit more on that or a little bit on that the last time he was here, but you're saying, you know, for every professional that is out there, you know, professional gamer, there's, you know, at least 12 people, you know, people behind the scenes that you mm -hmm. said marketing and so on. So let's talk a little bit about esports scholarships. If maybe you're a little bit familiar with that. I know that, that, you know, there's some websites that, you know, schools that are offering esports scholarships do esports scholarships. Is it strictly for just the gamer 
uh, itself? Or is it somebody that wants to be part of that industry too as well? And they learn those skills, like for example, the marketing, the mm -hmm. corporate stuff. Is, right. is that what we're seeing now? So you, I mean, the esports industry is evolving so quickly. You're seeing a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, number one, and again, this also goes back to a traditional kind of sports background. The likelihood of a kid getting an esports scholarship to a university for their ability to game is very, very low. It's the same. You know, I was lucky. I think I produced seven or eight D1 athletes uh, over ten years. And, you know, I, I had thousands of kids, right? So it's, it's very unlikely this is going to happen. But what I noticed in traditional sports, when I was helping kids, you know, chase that dream, nobody ever told me to stop, right? But when a kid says, I want to chase that dream and earn that scholarship and maybe a professional gamer, you know, often it's like, that's never going to happen. I mean, it, the statistically, it's similar. I mean, it's less likely than even being, you know, in the NFL that you're going to be a scholarship pro gamer. Um but I don't think we should ever, you know, rain on anybody's parade. Now, the other part that I'm really excited about was the part that you mentioned is schools are offering more and more scholarships. And I would say probably most of them are for, you know, talented gamers. Um, but I look at my two favorite collegiate programs. I look at Boise State and I look at UC Irvine. And what I love about those two programs is their scholarship um, opportunities for students that don't even play games. And so, for instance, Chris Haskell, um, who's a wonderful coach uh, over at Boise State, he gives some of his scholarship money, uh, I believe, to a journalist who can help promote the team and what goes on there. And then he has uh, somebody on the tech side. If you saw, like I tweeted out yesterday, a wonderful video he put up um, about you know, just the production side and everything that goes into producing an esports event. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure he had mentioned to me last time we spoke is that he also offers a scholarship to somebody, right, who can help run the the production side of things for him. Uh, over at UC Irvine and Mark Deppi uh, and, and Halish Patel, who is their health and wellness coach for the UC Irvine esports team, they will go into um, the programs where students are interested in like exercise science and stuff like that. And they will give scholarships to those students to become the, um, you know, I guess the, the workout coaches for those esports players, right? So you can earn a scholarship, you know, uh, you know, doing exercise science for esports. You can earn it doing journalism. Um, at Garner State Esports, I just brought on an intern who majored in journalism at Penn State. She's a wonderful, wonderful uh, young lady. And she's very passionate about helping kids understand like there's a path into journalism and content creation when it comes to esports. And we've been writing some curriculum together. Um, but these opportunities in esports aren't just for gamers, right? I would say most of the opportunity um, for our students are not going to be in the actual gameplay, but they're going to be in that ecosystem, right? All of those jobs, both traditional and both STEM, uh, are going to be, you know, lucrative jobs uh, that are going to be there for the taking for the students that are able to take advantage of the opportunity. So you can chase, you know, the player scholarship. But what I tell my kids is, well, if you earn it, fantastic. If not, at least you understand the ecosystem and then you can jump into you know, whatever, uh, um, whatever other part of, you know, esports that you enjoy, whether it's the finance, whether it's the marketing, um, content creation, stuff like that, maybe even coaching. That is great. And see, that's a great opportunity, you know, for people to see this. And I mean, this is really just taking off. And like you said, being part of that ecosystem, there's so many opportunities there for esports. And I hope that, I mean, I know that in many areas, you know, again, it, it, we're slow to get things and so on, but at least now, hopefully after the show, 
all our audience members that are listening. And I'm definitely going to reshare and retweet this many times because I know here in our area, there are people that are interested in this, but they don't know the impact, the positive impact that this can have, you know, for your students and, you know, for your school districts. And then as they continue to grow in the STEM related fields and so on. So this is something that is great. Now, one thing that I, I did want to share is just something that we were talking backstage and the question may be, and a lot of our audience members that may be listening, I know I have a gentleman here that's here from our district and, you know, I don't know what level of gamer or experience that he has, but I know we, we talked something and something really resonated with me that you talked about. So as a esports coach, is it important that you be 100% master of that game or that platform that you're using? What are your thoughts? What are your suggestions, not, ideas? Not at all. Well, you know, um, again, through Garnet State Esports and the work that we're doing, um, and we, we talk a lot about this in, in the book, um, what we're seeing are really two types of users or coaches, I guess. Either the teacher that was approached by students because that was the teacher that they all love, and they said, hey, you know, Mrs. Smith, can you start an esports team? Mr. Smith, can you start an esports team for us? And the teacher says yes, just because they want to be involved and they want the kids to be happy and they know nothing about gaming. On the other side, sometimes it's the teacher saying to the kids, hey, you love video games, I do too. Do you want to start an esports team together? And then that you know teacher is actually quite good at you know just video games and, and is in the whole world. Um, so it's really weird. We're not seeing too much of a middle ground. Um, but you know, whether you have an esports background, gaming background, traditional sports background, you can still start an esports team. Number one, there's enough people, esports, edu, hashtag, um, you know, resources out there that you can reach out to and you can, um, you can get the help that you need, right? Uh, one of the other organizations I always like to make sure everybody knows about is NASIF, the North American Scholastic Esports Federation. Um, when it comes to, you know, people doing it right, the NASIF crew, you know, is one of the only nonprofits working on an international level, putting students first. Um, and they have everything you could ever need to get started, right? All the guides, all the resources. So even if you don't know anything about it, you can get started, even if you're not good at the game, right? My middle schoolers, we play Rocket League because that is one of the only nonviolent video games that has a big esports following. Um, and I had never even heard of it or played it until my board approved it. And all of my kids are better than me at it, right? But I can still, number one, um, create a practice, right? I can I can do the research and I say, okay, we're gonna work on these skills, right? We I you know I can learn how the game works and I can save the replays and then we can watch the replays and we can analyze it. Um, you know, just from a if you do have a traditional coaching background, what you'll see in video games, just like in in traditional sports, is that positioning always seems to be the key to victory. Right, football about having eleven people do the you know their jobs. Uh, wrestling about taking the right shots and head position and all that good stuff. Well, Rocket League and Overwatch, right? Positioning your players and doing your job um, is is you know a fundamental way to win the game. So it can be learned. If you don't know it, you can find people to help you. Um, and then what I would really recommend too is if you are not talented at the game, use your kids on your team that are and make them coaches, right? So you could be the club advisor, but maybe you have the kids that are coaching and obviously the SEL piece to that, you know, speaks for itself. Um, or I was very lucky, you know, before I played Steve's team, I was playing colleges because there was nobody else to play. So we called up Rutgers here in New Jersey. We called up uh, Stockton here in New Jersey. And through that relationship I built with my, my colleges, um, 
I have had kids from the colleges act as coaches, right? So if I ever need somebody to come in and support the team or check out replays or give advice about the actual fundamentals of improving the game, I have that network of college kids, uh, which allowed me to do some fun stuff. Like also, you know, we would play the college kids. They came to our school. My kids got to talk to them, meet them, ask them about life in college, life in esports. Uh, we did the same thing. The kids that graduated from my program went to our local high school, started an esports team there. And I do an alumni night where my kids come back, high school versus middle school matchup. But then my middle schoolers also get to ask what high school is like and how they can get ready for high school. So now you're talking about, right, the pipeline, which is a big part of what we talk about the book is kids can follow their passion through a world that you create for them from middle school to high school, right, into college, into the military, and then into a career, um, all by, you know, chasing their their love of video games. And so if a teacher does not feel that they know anything about games, or maybe they're not even that good at that game, it's absolutely nothing that they need to worry about. It can all be learned, it can be taught, um, and, and you will definitely find people uh, in that esports EDU ecosystem who are happy to help you. Awesome. Well, Chris, this has been such an amazing, amazing show. And I tell you, each time I just get more pumped up and enthused just about what's going on in the world of esports. And I'm glad that you're somebody like you with your level of expertise and your experience and what you've shared here has just been something that right now, like I'm just pumped up to just go and do some more research for my district too, as well. And to help the the one team that I know that we do have and see what else we can do to to help them continue to grow and do that. And so um, what I want to do, though, is I also want to share real quick here. I'm going to add this to the stream. Here is the book. Okay, so check it out. It's the eSports Education Playbook. And there's the bit.ly right there, guys, in case you need it. It's just B-I-T. I did post this in the chat, B-I-T-L-Y forward slash eSports Playbook info. And uh, Chris, do you know when this is uh, set out to be released? Uh, it should be early November, definitely in time for ISTE. Perfect. So that's wonderful. So guys, look them up. Look up uh, Chris also at Teched Up Teacher. He's got great posts. I did post the link that you did share about uh, the YouTube video. That So I did post that. And in case you want wealth of information, I did post all the other websites as we were going here through our show. And again, you know, Chris, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it because not only did I learn a lot, but I know that our audience members will learn a lot. They'll listen to the podcast. They'll do a replay of this. And this was just a very beneficial, very fruitful show for them. And uh, thank you again for your time and your expertise. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us here again for another wonderful show here on My EdTech Life. What I'm going to do is I'm going to drop in a link here in the chat where you can go ahead and check out our merch store. That's right. We've got merch. So if you want to support our show, stop by, guys. Buy a shirt. It goes a long way. We, we're setting up our little production. We're getting some lights now and things of that sort. So, again, this is just a one-person team. Just, you know, putting it out there. Look great for the fall. Look cool, you know, also. So check us out. But thank you, guys. On that link, you will also find all our show replays, guys. This is, this is show number 26. And we're just very excited because we're just continually moving forward. We've got the whole month of November booked. If you're interested in being a guest, please uh, feel free to drop me a line on Twitter at MyEdTechLife. We can set something up. I'm always looking for, for people that want to share just something magnificent. Again, it doesn't have to be always tech-related, but just definitely something in education because the premise of the show, guys, is just connecting educators one show at a time 
just like I've learned a lot from Chris. Many of you are going to learn a lot from Chris through the replay. And it's just a matter of like Kim Matina says, paying it forward and just giving everybody a platform to learn from one another, making this a wonderful professional learning family. So thank you guys for all your support. Really appreciate it, Chris. Thank you so much. Yeah. Best of luck in everything that you do. And I'm definitely excited for the book. I'm going to definitely ask for an autographed copy because that's kind of my thing. So uh, I'm really excited about that. So thank you guys for joining us. Appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next Saturday. Y'all take care.